2022, I think, will sort of be remembered, at least like in the systems programming languages community and the C++ community. 2022 is like Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> the, the, the C++ successor languages. <laughs> Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 111, recorded on January 4th, 2023. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we talk about C++, 23 ranges, our 2022 retro, and the future of C++. Okay, actually, we will start the podcast now. I was going to start off talking about something we need to talk about, which you're probably aware of, but before we just hit the record button... Uh, we were talking about ranges, and so I will say, ranges, oh, the glor- they're glorious. C++ 23 ranges, GCC 13, which is GCC trunk as of, you know, this recording today. I'm sure GCC 13 will officially, when it gets released, get uploaded to Godbolt or Compiler Explorer. Uh, has implemented every single range adapter in Factory. It's the only thing they haven't, and I thought Microsoft was leading the, leading the charge. Uh, in terms of implementing ranges. So I was tracking their progress and issues. And they have, I don't know, about 50%, I think, of the range adapters implemented. And then I think I was just bored one day. Or no, actually, this is what happened. There's no support for the format library with MSVC on Compiler Explorer. And so I logged a bug but then the Compiler Explorer folks said that because of MSVC issues, it's not always possible to get libraries working there, which sure, fair enough. So then I went and downloaded the most recent community edition of Visual Studio and tried to, because I want to use Victor's format library until we have C++23 format print. And then when I used uh, the community edition, I used NuGet to fetch, I don't know, whatever the most recent... Um, format library is was like 7.0 something and that's broken with chunk by so for whatever reason there's some bug that the c plus plus 23 stood views chunk by doesn't work with the lib format library so compiler explorer doesn't support (laughs) the format library wait you 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 mean i'm confused like like you're trying to i'm trying to just uh basically use the fumped colon colon print and the ranges header so they have based yeah. C23 comes with the ability to print a range uh, and containers and stuff like that. Uh, but just very necessary if you want to basically create a little gobbolt snippet um, that prints out some code using some C20 or 23 ranges. So Compiler Explorer with MSVC doesn't support the lib format library. And Visual Studio 2022 Community Edition has some bug either in the format library or the ranges, uh, C++ 23 ranges, uh, chunk by implementation that they are not compatible. And so I I was about to say I got bored, so that's why I checked GCC. But what I realized is like I can just go create the equivalent code using range v3 and lib format because I know lib format works with GCC. But then when I was doing that, I said, I'll just check to see what they've implemented of C++ 23 ranges. And it turns out they've implemented everything. Which is just yeah. so amazing, so amazing. Uh, chunk by, yeah. I saw Eric. Eric retweeted something that you sent about this, and Eric said that that this is great because when you look at the 
the what ranges looks like as of C plus plus twenty three. This is a lot closer to what his original vision for ranges was because when ranges was put into C plus plus twenty, um, uh, just because of the scope and size of it, a lot of it had to be pared back. A lot of the important uh, range adapters were were left out of the initial pass, and now a lot of them have been added in twenty three. Yep, it's uh it's beautiful. That's I've decided. For the couple C++ conferences that I'm going to submit to, one of them I already submitted to. Which one? Uh, C++ on C. Oh, they're open already. It, uh, I believe the call for papers is open until January 8th, and this is getting recorded a couple days before that, and will get released. When will this get released? On January 6th. So if you're listening to this between January 6th and January 8th, I mean, there's a chance that the call for papers might get extended. But yeah, I mean, I um, this is before they've you know started accepting, so it might not get accepted. But I plan to submit it to a couple of C plus plus conferences, so hopefully one of them it'll get accepted, and it's just going to be a talk basically covering what everything that's new in C plus plus twenty three ranges, and also an overview of the algorithm slash range landscape because it's actually like hella confusing now. If you're just coming to C plus plus twenty three, even C plus plus twenty, there are now basically three different ways to call transform algorithm there's the iterator overload there's the range overload and that's sort of like one vertical and now there's like range land which technically like they don't call those algorithms they're range adapters and range factories which i mean i consider them all under like the algorithm umbrella but if you're coming to c++ as like a new c++ programmer and you go you google like how do i you know map how do i do a functional map kind of thing you're potentially going to get like three different answers. Anyway, so I think some little like mini lightning talk at the beginning of uh, what's new in C++23 ranges that talks about like there's like two different verticals and there's two different overloads in this vertical. But really, if you're trying to do like functional composition kind of things, just stick to this vertical. Anyways, that's all some mini side note. What I really wanted to mention, happy new year, by the way, because it is now 2023. Yeah, happy new year. Did you hear the big news that happened Right at the end of the new year in the C++ podcast world, Bryce. Did you hear the big news? I didn't directly hear it, but I saw some tweets uh, uh, that did not directly mention it. And I suspect, I, based on those tweets, that I know what the news is. is a certain other podcast, but have we fallen in the rankings? Well, so, yes. I mean, I am both, I'm conflicted now. I'm both, one, very excited, kind of sad that it's not, so, wait. For the listener that is not informed and not in the know, CPPcast, the number one podcast by all measures and the first, and at one point was the only, but then in 2022, like four podcasts started in two months, one of which was ours, um, is back. It's kind of sad because it's not Rob and Jason that are coming back to host it. It's two new hosts, Phil Nash and Timur Doomler. I hope I'm pronouncing uh, Timur's name correctly. And very interestingly, I actually plan on making a YouTube video about this because like the landscape of C++ podcasts, Phil, this is technically Phil's third C++ podcast that he's co-hosting because he did CPP chat uh, initially, and then he did a podcast called No Diagnostic Required. And now he's taking the, what do you call it? Steering wheel of uh, this pirate ship that is CPP cast. And uh, I'm conflicted because, one, obviously it's one of my favorite podcasts of all time, so happy that it's coming back. But two, what does that mean for us? You know, we were on track to be, <laughs> I mean, we were the number one active C++ podcast 
Although kind of we're like a For C++ a plus period. slash Rust podcast. Um, but now they're back. And also, too, so they're not going to be releasing episodes every week. It's going to be every two weeks for now, which means that now it's going to take us twice as long to catch up episode-wise, which they're at 350. We're at, like, what, 111, which is 240. So divided by 50 weeks is roughly – that would have been five years. Now it's going to take 10 years. Wait, wait. Is it, they're not weekly? No, they're going to be bi-weekly, so twice a month, oh. once every two weeks. Was it previous? Wasn't it previously weekly? It was previously weekly. Yeah, I think they're trying to make it. All right, but we will, we will still eventually catch up. Yeah, I mean, we're like you said, we're doing this till one of us dies. So as long as we yeah. can hang on for a decade, both of us, <laughs> we will be able to episode wise. <laughs> Anyways, your thoughts and feelings. I'm, I know you're not a big podcast listener, so I guess you're probably much yeah. less excited about this than uh, than I was. Well, I mean, I do listen to a decent number of podcasts. I guess just not programming podcasts. Um, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's it, it was really sad the CPP cast um, uh, that the original hosts you know were, were decided that it was time to move on um, because it it was I think a uh, an important part of the the ecosystem and the community um, and you know not everybody consumes content uh, or consumes things the same way you know some people for podcasts some people for conference talks. Um, uh, and I, I know that there was a lot of people who, you know, listened to every episode of, of CPP cast and, uh, uh C++ kind of needs a marquee, um, uh, uh, podcast, you know, this is not, this is a very different <laughs> podcast than their podcast. Like CPP cast is actually a C++ podcast and, you know, covers all the ma- the latest developments, major news. We just, you know, talk about whatever we want. So, yeah. Um, you know, there was a gap, and uh, I'm glad to see that that uh, that it's back with uh, new hosts. And I think those are two great hosts. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they um, uh, change up the format at all. Um, it seems like based off of what they did in the first episode, because what they did is halfway through they were sort of interviewing each other and then they did like a little record scratch and then like they said, let's start it from the top because like they were the new host now and they did the exact same yeah. sort of intro news for a little bit and then sort of interview. But, but I, it, so. I mean, you know, the, you're obviously not going to come into a thing and just immediately. That's true. You That's know, true. change everything unless you're Elon Musk. Um, so, but you know, <laughs> over time, maybe they'll, maybe they'll um, decide that there's some, things they want to change or there's some things they want to innovate. It's true. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there's a new jingle cuz uh, I'm not you probably didn't see this but uh C++ on C's YouTube channel just released a video um of Phil Nash singing a C++ song called I Build Myself and uh Yeah, he I seem to recall listening to a live live performance of something like this when I was at CPP on C last year. Oh, you saw it live. Wow. That's, I think so. That's impressive. And ec- speaking of, we're going to get into today's topic, which is going to be the 2022 retro. But uh, the, on the last, on the topic of podcasts and stuff, we actually got mentioned um, in some top ten tech prog- programming podcasts of 2022 mm-hmm. on some Twitter Twitter thread. But um, for the description, it just took the first sentence of our podcast description, which was, "We're a podcast inspired by Magic Read Along." 
which is at this point a podcast that like less people know about than our podcast. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, snap. Like, and that's all they said. Like they didn't say anything else. <laughs> and I was like, maybe that is a bad description. So I went and updated our podcast description. So it uh, is more descriptive of what we actually talk about. Anyways, 2022 retro. First of all, how was the holidays? You had a good time, t- time off? Yeah. With family, friends? Yeah. We, uh, Went to Florida, uh, visited my parents. Um, it was uh, bitterly cold the first two to three days, which, <laughs> I mean, at least it was warmer than than than, uh, than New York. It was like in the in the 30s and 40s the first two to three days we were in Florida. But then it got, uh, the weather got a bit better. Um, we spent some time chilling out in the pool. We went on a boat. Mm, nice. Um, yeah. We did all the all the Florida things. Didn't go to the beach. Not really that uh, that part of for- Florida. And also, we're just not really beach people. Um, we're all very very pale. We uh, <laughs> we burn very easily. That's what they have umbrellas for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny and uh, <laughs> and sun t- and sunscreen. Um. um, my my parents live in uh, this very nice uh, gated community. Um. Uh, just south of Tampa, um, and I, I was um, uh, born in Tampa. My my mother, uh, who was a bankruptcy lawyer, she um, went to uh, Cornell uh, for her undergrad. Cornell was in upstate New York. Um, that that in that part of New York that gets very cold and gets a ton of snow during the winter. Yep. Um, and she she grew up uh, in Long Island. Um, uh, and then decided that Long Island wasn't cold enough, so she went to Cornell for undergrad. Um, and then she decided that, you know, Cornell was not cold enough. So then she went to the University of Chicago mm. for graduate school, um, which is an even colder, and and for for uh, for law school, um, uh, which is even colder. And then after that, and and she hates the cold. So then after that, she's like, you know what? I'm I am done with being in cold places. I'm going to go you know, as far south as I can. So she went to, uh, to Tampa where she started practicing law and she was the, uh, the first female attorney at an, uh, uh, a good old boys Southern law firm. And there are lots of interesting and amusing stories, uh, about that. Um, but that's the, uh, uh that, that's, that's why they're in that part of, uh, of Florida and the, just south of Tampa. Um, because that's where she lived for a number of years. That's where I was born. Um, I don't usually like talk about the fact that I am technically a Floridian. I think this is the second time it's come up on the podcast. Yes, and you always post fix it with. Uh, <laughs> I try but, not to. But they're to now and they're it. in this this very nice uh, little gated community. Are the gates? It's, you've mentioned that twice now. Are the gates important in uh, Florida? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so in, in these like gated communities in Florida, um, they have these like super powerful HOAs, homeowner associations that, uh, you know, tell you, you know, your house has to be this color and, you know, you can, can't have, you know, uh, don't, don't leave your garage door open, uh, cause nobody wants to see the inside of your garage and, and, you know, you, you can't put lawn gnomes on your lawn and stuff like that. Are you serious? So all the houses sort of look, look very similar. And, um, in Florida, in these communities, they have this thing that that they call a nigh, which I'm convinced is something that only people in Florida know about. Can you spell that? N i g h. I have no idea how to spell it. Lanai or lanai. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it starts with an L. Um, 
And it's like this, it's basically like a backyard that's covered in this um, structure that has like this mesh um, stuff. And so it's like you're outside, you get the sun, you know, if it rains, the rain comes through, but the mesh keeps out like leaves and bugs and stuff like that. And so you have one of these that covers your like backyard and your pool um, and your hot tub. Uh, How do you get the leaves and, off of it uh, when the leaves get caught by this thing? What? How do you get the leaves off of like if if it's this mesh mesh net kind of thing that's keeping I the leaves you, out? You gotta you have a guy for that. You have a guy that he just what goes but around like, with like, a really like, tall stick. I, I think it's it's mostly like to keep the bugs out, so you like don't have to have like mosquitoes and okay um, stuff like that. All right. Um, and so like then everybody who lives in these little gated communities, they have like you know they have their indoor kitchen and they have their outdoor kitchen. Um, which is funny in my, my parents' house because their indoor kitchen in there is in the back of the house. So it's about, it's about 10 feet away from their outdoor kitchen. Um, and then they have like their indoor dining table and their outdoor dining table. And then they have their, you know, they have their living room with their TV. And then there's a TV outdoors in the lanai. So you can watch TV from the hot tub. Um, it, it's just, it, it, it's a very interesting lifestyle down there. <laughs> I've gotten like I'm but, getting like uh, Wally vibes from like uh, you know. I don't know why. I, I think I think more like uh It's like it's like Stepford the, wives. It's like the you know, the everyone's on a track, you know, there's no lot there's no creativity, you can't keep your, you know, your garage door open, you know, it's yeah. same yeah. uh everyone's got the same paint on their houses and uh there's this one house in the neighborhood that's painted in this, I, I think, you know, not awful, pale green color. And apparently it was a big controversy. Um, the pale green color was one of the, like, four or five approved colors that you could paint your house. But, like, nobody picked that color. Everybody else picked, like, one of the, you know, one of the three shades of beige and brown. Um, but this one couple picked this green. And everybody else... You know, you're not going to remember like the five different options for house color when you picked your house. And so everybody else just assumes, oh, they this is a non-approved color. And and so then they complain to the HOA, but the HOA is like, no, actually, they're allowed to have their house that color. <laughs> and apparently it's a whole big hubbub. Wow. There was one couple my mom was telling me about. One couple moved in and um, they painted their, um, their house red, um, like a non-approved shade of red. And the HOA is like, nope. You got to paint it back, and apparent and I and and so we asked, what would happen if you just said no? Well, then the HOA would uh, uh, start giving you a daily fine, and if you don't pay that, then eventually they could get a lien on your house and take your house because you painted it a different color. This sounds like not real. <laughs> like what it's, group of um, what group of people put this gate up? And then had a meeting, and they were like, "All right, folks, what are the ground rules here? <laughs> like nothing on the lawn. It needs to be the same color. Like who cares? I get, well, clearly these people do. I mean, the, the gate keeps like unauthorized vehicles out, but there's like a two foot gap under the gate, and like it's not that tall a gate. Like you, you could get in if you wanted to. Yeah. All right. So, so let's um the things you learn on uh, ADSP the podcast. All right, 2022 retro go. What's your your top three or top five? Well, okay. So, so, uh, so I'm going to give you my, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I have to tell you part of my 2023, 
you know, predictions at the same time. Well, no, we usually, we save our uh, 2023 looking forward for a separate episode. So you got to split those up. Unless if they're intertwined, in which case we can do something different this year. They, they are intertwined. All right, you go right ahead. You do you, do, you, do you Bryce. 20, 2022, I think, will sort of be remembered, at least like in the systems programming languages uh, community and the C++ community. 2022 is like Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope. <laughs> The, the C++ successor languages. Um, we've had, um, you know, the announcement of uh, Carbon. Wait, wait, wait. I have to interrupt. What is the scene of uh, Anakin trying to jump over uh, uh, Obi-Wan? And, uh, you know, you lie. What, are the, what does he say? He said, <laughs> I, have the oh, upper, yeah, yeah. I have the upper I ground. Have the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he ends up getting his legs cut off. And then he's burning at the side. <laughs> What is a what is that map to in your analogy here, Bryce? I uh, no comment, no, no comment. That's just a typical C plus plus user's experience with a compiler. I'm gonna cut in. I'm gonna cut in uh, the actual audio from uh, from that part. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! That's just that's just what happens when you uh you know write some some bad template heavy C++ code and the compiler punishes you for oh. it. Maybe I'll join maybe I'll join uh TikTok or something uh and and create some little meme of like uh Obi-Wan being the compiler and <laughs> Anakin being the C++ <laughs> <laughs> developer. It's like don't well and I think like early er, the before he says I have the high ground he you know he I think he says something like uh like don't try it I have the high ground and that's like the command like like don't try it you're 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 gonna be unhappy you were the chosen one all right I interrupted you sorry so it was the okay all right so um your uh, successor languages 2022 um is I think gonna be remembered as the the year of the C plus plus successor languages um. There's, you know, carbon. Um, I think there's there's been growing interest in developments all around Circle. Um, uh, did did Sean give his keynote on on Circle at C plus plus now last year in 2022? I think that was the year. I think it was 2022. Um, yeah, because we talked to him yeah. about. Um, yeah, we talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, and uh, we also had him on where he talked about it. Great episode. There's if you also seen, heard that one. Um, there's also Dave Abraham's language Val. Um, 
there's a CPP two. Um, what else am I forgetting? Any others? Um, I mean, technically, Yacht, which is the yeah. language being developed inside Serenity OS, but I don't think the, we haven't heard much about that being a successful language. But that is, you know, in the space of. There's also been growing uh, interest in success for Rust. Um, one thing in particular there that I think was sort of a hallmark moment was um, uh, the first Rust code getting into the Linux kernel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's a place that C++ has not been. Um, so, okay. So if, uh, if 2022 has been, you know, uh, Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, then of course, <laughs> 2023 will be <laughs> Episode Five. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think that uh, one of the themes of next year will be um, uh, languages like C and C++ um, responding to uh, uh, the uh, successor languages and responding to the uh, criticisms of them, the claims that they are legacy languages. Um, one of the other things that happened in 2022 um, there were some U.S. government agency that put out some cybersecurity advisory, which you know suggested that uh, C and C plus plus were 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 unsafe languages or unsuitable languages because of the memory safety concerns. Um, uh, or at least somebody interpreted the advisory they put out in that way. Um. And and so what 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 will what will the empires strike back be? It was the NSA in 2023. It was the who? The NSA, yeah, yeah, the NSA. And it, it was like um, the two big things were the Microsoft Azure CTO saying that like C plus plus should be deprecated as a new language that new projects use, and the NSA came out saying memory safe languages are the way to go. Yeah, I don't think they explicitly said don't use C and C++. They just said use memory-safe languages. And some people interpret that, uh, interpreted that as um, don't use C and C++. Um, and so how will the empire strike back? Well, um, C++23 and C23 will be published and go out the door this year, and we will see um, uh, implementations uh, start shipping support for uh C plus plus twenty three and C twenty three this year. Um I think Fortran may also the next revision may go out this year, but uh don't quote me on that. I don't remember the dates exactly. Um but the other thing is that there's been a renewed interest in what we could do in uh uh C plus to improve um uh, uh safety. Um, including some some very bold proposals that we do things on a um, very accelerated timeline. Um, one of the interesting proposals is uh, from my uh, my dear friend J.F. Bastian, uh, who is uh, the chair of the uh, C++ Evolution Working Group, and he works at uh, Woven Planet now, which is a subsidiary of Toyota. Um, and he uh, wrote a proposal um, uh, a few years ago, I think, um, uh, proposing that we zero initialize 
objects of automatic storage duration. Um, because one of the um, uh, <laughs> leading uh, causes of uh, uh, UB that leads to security issues um, is reading uninitialized values, um, which can uh, allow an attacker to um, uh, 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 get at information that they shouldn't have been able to and then thus uh, uh, control uh, execution. Um, and I, I think it's a CWE 457. Um, and, uh, and so the proposal is, is pretty simple. It's just like, hey, like we should just zero initialize objects of automatic storage duration. Um, and, you know, why don't we do this today? Um, well, there's obviously, you know, the performance concern, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, okay, if we have to settle these things to zero, well, that requires some work. Um, the, the proposal from JF actually talks about, um, uh, this in, in a good bit of detail. Um, it both talks about, you know, concrete numbers, um, but also in the, um, you know, what, why do we see a, uh, a performance problem and it's not just the cost of actually setting um uh the uh the values to zero it can also um uh screw up compiler optimizations um it can like break dependencies um uh, uh which can uh, uh mess around with various compiler optimizations and it can also mess uh, mess around with um like various hardware uh various optimizations that your that your cpu does um uh when uh, scheduling instructions um uh but uh jf's paper sort of you know explores the these um uh performance implications and presents some numbers and suggests that that it's it's pretty negligible these days um uh that it's uh, in a, a lot of case, in the cases where there are regressions, and it's usually like less than 0.5%. Um, and then in some cases, um, uh, the code actually gets faster. Um, and there's also a pretty small code size impact. Um, so it seems like there's, there's not really a strong performance case. I mean, there are some applications, there's some places where, um, you know, and uh, a, a plus or minus 1% can actually be a really big deal. Wait, um, you went from uh, 0.05 to plus or minus one. Yeah, I'm rounding up. Okay. From five basis up. points I, I, to I, 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 I will, I will, uh, we're, we're, we're talking orders of magnitude here, right? I mean, that is a different order of magnitude. Um, but anyways, we're de- uh, roughly, we're talking about a percentage. Yeah. Or less. Um, uh, Andre Alexandrescu uh, gave a, Great talk a few years ago, um, at uh, uh, where, where, when he was still working at Facebook, and he talked about the uh, the impact of some performance optimizations that got like a two to three percent improvement um, across some like core Facebook code, and he was like, "That's actually like a really big deal if you if you look at like this code is deployed at scale, and you know that actually saves us like millions of dollars." 
um, uh, uh, you know, having to like allowing the code to run two to three percent faster. That means we can have two to three percent less, you know, uh, machines in the fleet, or or uh, two to three percent more throughput. So like that can, you know, th- that that can be a big deal. Um, but I think JF's uh, argument in this proposal is um, uh, the performance cost is uh, small enough that that the the benefits far outweigh it. And of course, you know, like almost. Everything in C++, there will be some compiler flag where you'll be able to opt out of it. Yeah, um, I think that's the important part uh, is that though. Yeah. I, I remember JF talked about this in his meetup YouTube recording that I saw. And they said that there would be, for the people like, you know, high frequency trading firms and stuff where, uh, where every, yeah. every little, you know, cycle matters that, you know, they're not going to have to worry about upgrading their compiler and then having a performance degradation um, or pessimization because of trying to gain safety for stuff that I'm sure that they don't, not that they don't care about safety, but let's be honest, HFT firms care about uh, like speed of light. And in addition to a, uh, uh, I'm sure there'll be a compiler optimization to just globally turn this off. The the proposal also um, uh, suggests that we should add a, um, an uninitialized attribute, which uh, a programmer can put on variables that'll, that'll indicate, Hey, uh, you know, don't zero initialize this. Like a like a double double square bracket attribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the idea here is to get the default right. Um, to uh, instead of having a zero initialized attribute that becomes something that everybody has to put on every variable, you make the default that we're going to we're going to change by default. And if you want to opt out, you add this attribute. Um, which that's not normally how we have done things in C Usually, we're like, well, make people opt into the new thing. Um, but, uh, in this case, um, uh, you know, that would have, uh, I think very limited utility here. And so it's nice to see a proposal that actually suggests that we, uh, um, that we pick the right, that we take the right default. And what are your thoughts on, uh, C++'s ability within this proposal slash outside of this proposal over the next immediate year? You said, I think this is low hanging fruit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, that's why JF has suggested it, because it's low-hanging fruit. Um, it's something that it's pretty easy for us to do, um, uh, and it'll it'll address a certain class of vulnerability. It'll make us a little bit more memory safe. Um, uh, so we should do it. Um, it doesn't. It's not a full solution. It just doesn't magically make C plus plus a memory safe language. There's still um, many ways in which C++ is, uh, memory unsafe, but this is, um, this is a lot of the, a lot of the ways in which C++ is memory unsafe, um, or a lot, a lot of, a lot of the common causes of, um, uh, vulnerabilities in C++ come from, uh, aspects of the language that, uh, that have fundamental utility. Um, uh, like things like pointers or references or the fact that we, um, we don't have a, um, uh, a safe ownership model of objects like rest. Um, all of those lead to vulnerabilities, but those are all things that if you can't just like change them because they're, they provide fundamental utility. 
like, yeah, yeah, they can be foot guns, but they're also useful tools. Um, not zero initializing stack variables doesn't really provide any utility. The reason we don't initialize them is for performance or historically has been for performance, but it's not, this is not, you know, uh, a change which like takes away some functionality from people, right? right. Um, so I I think it's low hanging fruit. We should just do it. The Empire Strikes Back with yeah, potentially an uninitialized attribute, which like yeah. uh, it sounds ugly to me, but to be honest, I never write code like that. So like it, and maybe that's okay that it's ugly that. You know, most of the times you shouldn't be doing that and making a bad choice ugly. Maybe not bad choice, but like a for the majority of times a bad choice. I'm sure there are cases where you know there are there's a reason why there's a whole set of uninitialized algorithms that uh, they exist for a reason. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.